Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never, ever about food or weight. Never, ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about sexuality. Ah! And the front of the card is of the goddess and the little deer animal, and they're shaking their booty, dancing a little bit. And in their bodies, there's a really beautiful spiral going around in her first and second chakra, if you will. And it's just a very sweet and action card. It's definitely got some energy here. And the back of the card reads, our relationship with food, body size, and sexuality are complex. By exploring the link between negative body image and sexual shame, we can begin to respect and love our own unique beauty and then hold our bodies and sexuality as sacred. We can then reclaim our sexuality for ourselves as the pure, precious, and honorable force it is. So I love this last line, the pure, precious, and honorable force it is. And how often do we not think like that around our sexuality? I was born in the early 50s. I grew up in the Catholic Church, very repressed sexually, taught that all of that was extremely horrible to even think about or talk about. And then if you got married, then it was okay, but really still not okay. As a little girl, still not ladylike, I guess, to have a sexual feeling. I mean, just none of that. I tell the story about I was put in a boarding school at a young age, and our bodies were so shamed that to take a bath, we had to put a sheet over our head. There was a hole cut in so our head would stick out. We had to take our clothes off, pick up the sheet, and get into a bathtub by picking up the sheet, stepping in the bathtub, and putting the sheet over the bathtub. And then we could wash ourselves. And then we got out of the bathtub, picked up the sheet, dried ourselves off with the sheet, and then put our clothes back on, or our pajamas. So we couldn't even look at our little girl bodies. We were only to wash them and not look at them. So imagine how that made me feel later being naked. You know, I just had a hard time with it. And of course, being molested or sexually made fun of or whatever, it just got worse and worse from there. It took me a really long time to reclaim my sexuality and my womanhood and my sensuality. It took a very long time and a lot of work and a lot of going through recovery about molestation and or date rape and all the other ways that I was taken advantage of. And I've sat with so many women and men who have just been tortured with this. 
And today we have a wonderful young woman all the way across in England to be brave and talk about this issue and to come from her heart. And I'm so pleased to have her on this show. And I'll let her introduce herself and what she's doing all the way over there and what up with her. Hiya. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. So I'm Nicola Chan and I run a business called Weishi Coaching and I call myself a body confidence coach. So it's taken me a long time to discover this title of body confidence coach and a long journey within myself. And as you mentioned, their sexuality is one of the big things in the journey for me that I've finally come round to accepting and exploring. But it really does take some of the layers to go through to be able to find what's underneath. So my journey into becoming a body confidence coach actually started in the fitness industry. So I was a fitness instructor for 16 years, thinking that fitness would keep me motivated and that teaching other people I'd be able to be a better version of myself. And it was all really about my body. And even in my college course, all the things I was learning was about me being my brand, the way that I looked and to attract certain clients to me. And it was only years later when I kept pushing myself in the industry with the applaud of others that I developed an eating disorder. And because it is very competitive, even just fitness in itself, just to push the next mile or do an extra bit of time and you compare yourself to yourself and to other people, because it was so competitive, I actually started comparing my food to other people as well. And that's when the food issue started. So I actually had non-purging bulimia. And I think there's probably many people in the fitness industry who suffer with this because it's something that isn't really recognized. We know of bulimia in terms of you uh, binge eating and then purging, i.e. vomiting. But in the fitness industry, I was using the fitness, like over-exercising. And in a way that's applauded, if you're not reaching the body target that you want, you're told to exercise more, diet harder. And obviously that was the opposite of what I really needed to do. And I ended up years down the line actually losing my period, suffering with HA, hypothalamic amenorrhea, and uh, going through fertility treatment. So even then, the fertility specialist didn't recognize the HA. They just said to me, you know, are you healthy? Do you exercise? Do you eat well? And actually what I needed to do is the opposite to the government guidelines, which is eat less and move more. I needed to eat more and move less. Yes, I know. And again, our little poor feminine bodies are like, we know how to do this. We know how to have kids. We know how to have breasts. We know how to have a period. We already know how to do all this. And then some sort of outside of ourselves tell us you need to be thinner but not so thin that you don't have a period but you need to be right up at that edge or I can remember wanting to be so thin that I was close to dying but I wouldn't die but very close I wanted to put right on that edge be as thin as I could be but not die and not have any consequences which was not possible so I had the same kind of thing like we had a big crazy thing here called fit or fat. And I used to say fit or effed <laughs> because it was like, if you didn't stop eating fat during the, I don't know, maybe it was the nineties. It was a big thing here, fit or fat. You had to stop eating fat and then you would be really fit and then you would be okay. So all these women stopped getting their periods because Hormones are made in the fat of our bodies. So if we had zero fat or really close to zero, like a man does, 
or a young boy, I guess I should say, a teenage boy, a lot of times have very low fat. You know, we couldn't be a girl. We couldn't have periods. We couldn't have a baby. We couldn't have breasts and hips and a butt. We couldn't have stuff like that. So just insane things that we're told. And by the fitness industry, but by doctors as well, or by good people who are trying to help us, therapists, all kinds of people. What you said about anorexia as well, I think in the initial stages, I actually wanted anorexia. I would look at the pictures of people who'd recovered from anorexia and thought, at least they're still thin. And so I thought if (laughs) I could get myself to be a little bit too thin rather than a bit too fat, that was the messaging that I grew up with. I thought I'd be okay. And I just felt that I failed at having that eating disorder because I ended up binging. And it was just something that I hadn't ever heard of. Yeah. And I have people that come to me for therapy that'll say, well, I have an eating disorder, but not a good one because I'm still fat. (laughs) It's like, you know what? Mm. There are no good ones. (laughs) There's no good. And that's the thing. We don't tell people that you can have eating disorders at any size. That's right. You just see the picture of an eating disorder and it generally is someone with anorexia. And yet we shame everybody who has bigger bodies. Yes, of course. When did you put it together your sexuality and your eating disorder and your recovery, when did you start to smush those into a recovery? Besides the fact that sexuality obviously relates to my menstruation and me being fertile, that penny didn't drop for me until the last few years, really, since I'd recovered from my eating disorder and just started in this journey of discovery. I remember actually in the podcast that I used to listen to, there was a lady called Kyla Prince, and she spoke about discovery after recovery and it was something I always looked forward to experiencing and I feel that I've been in that stage for a while now but in terms of the periods it was really the fact that I couldn't get pregnant and no one could find an answer and I had to eventually just stop exercising in order to get my periods back and then find a balanced way of incorporating the two. And I had a lot of anger with the fitness industry and the messages that we promote. And I felt a bit depressed actually for a while because I thought this is my life, this is my identity. You know, I was known as the fit girl and I would do everything the hardest and the longest and my clients in the class would come up to me and say, you're amazing. And because I had that validation, it just pushed me to do more. So I really felt a lot of internal turmoil and couldn't really express it to anyone because I was running this brand. And I felt like I need to leave the industry. But then the depressed feeling that I felt when I imagined doing something else, I knew that I needed to stay. And I just thought, if there is no one like me in the industry saying this stuff, giving the truth, then maybe I need to stay so that not everybody is going to end up with an eating disorder or over-exercising. There can be someone who's actually talking about the truth. That's exactly right. I'm so glad you stayed. We need people like you in that industry. Like we need doctors who have recovered in order to be able to talk about why it's not a good idea to put a person on yet another liquid fast. We need people who go beyond what they can learn in a book and actually have it in their bones, have it in their body that they recovered from this. Thank goodness for you. Thank you for doing it. And also where you just mentioned the doctors, my first experience of going to the doctors and I said, I think I have an issue with food. The first thing they did was put me on the scales and they actually laughed at me because I had a a normal body weight. I I fitted in the BMI and they said, you're making it up in your head. Oh, nice. So luckily I found another doctor who realized that I didn't need the fertility treatment initially. What I needed was to recover from my eating disorder. Yeah, exactly. Thank goodness about that. And I think this happens 
a million times over all over the world all the time. And there's so much shame in that we can't have a baby. Or what do you mean my body can't do this thing that we've been doing for thousands of years? And nobody says, maybe you're not eating enough, <laughs> you know, instead of you're eating too much. And that whole thing about this chart says that you're normal. And you go, do you know what I do with food? Do you know what I do with exercise? No, because it's not on that chart, what I'm doing. But also it was just so hard to express myself to another human being because I had so much shame and guilt around the way that I ate because of my profession, because of the way that I appeared to everybody else. It was like a dirty secret. I didn't want anyone to know. So then to actually open up to a GP and have them do that was horrendous. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm when you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. And when you said a minute ago, non-bulimic bulimia, no, non-purging, non-purging bulimia. I had never really heard that term before, but we can purge in so many different ways. And we can purge with over-exercise or over-dieting. I would go on a big binge and then I would not eat for two or three days. And I would tell you straight to your face that I wasn't bulimic because I didn't throw up. Then I started throwing up later. Or people use laxatives or whatever. However way you get rid of the food is how you get rid of it. And still, you're not a happy girl or a guy. So how did you step into your own unique beauty, which of course, you're a beautiful person and you have great green blue hair, but you're beautiful in and out. So how did you step into kind of reclaiming your sexuality? The blue hair is always something very recent. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, in the discovery part of the journey, there's all the different layers. So my word for the year was to be my true authentic self. And after my eating disorder, when I spent so much time in my head focusing on hating myself, I decided to try to love myself instead. So I changed my brand and I became body positive, stayed in the fitness industry and started promoting this message of all-inclusive fitness. So all bodies, all races, all different abilities. That's who I want to stay in the industry for and help and continue my journey as well to becoming my true self. So I've done it through my own coaching. I became an NLP and hypnotherapy coach as well, so I could help other people with the same thing because it really was just a mindset shift. I was spending so much time being negative, I could spend the same amount of time being positive. So it kind of helps all areas of your life, but it really does come from the inside. If you don't love yourself on the inside, if you don't feel worthy, then you're not gonna have self-care, you're not gonna look after yourself, feed yourself nourishing food, move your body in nourishing ways. So there are a lot of things that helped me along the way, as I said, podcasts, some books like Health at Every Size, Intuitive Eating, Body Positive Books, and following body positive people. So it really was a case of let go of the negative, let go of looking at diets, delete the people who make me feel bad about myself, and put in all the positive. And do you have a lot of people over in England doing body positive stuff? 
There's a few people actually, because as you start promoting the message, you start to connect with other people who are doing similar things and you can share ideas and go to each other's classes if you're local. I have another friend who is in the industry who decided to stay also around the same time as me to promote body positive dance. So she, she does the dance side and I do the fitness side. Beautiful. And to answer your question, in terms of the sexuality, that was the final layer as I took away the eating disorder. And where you mentioned earlier about your body being female and needing enough fat to develop breasts and hips and everything, I think in a way I subconsciously didn't realize that I was making my body manly, like masculine, in terms of not having fat and being very muscly in a way that would protect me from the world. And this is all stuff that I've learned through NLP and my subconscious mind. And it was actually because of sexual abuse that I'd experienced at a young age when I was 14. And so I think one of the, my first ways of coping with that was actually having control over food. Yes. And course. it's only realizing later on that when you have no control over your life, you then try to control it with something. And food was the thing. And it was also a massive distraction. I then forgot about what had happened to me because food was now my problem. Exactly. Yeah, I tell my clients and myself too, like I know how to feel fat, quote unquote fat. How do you feel? I feel fat. Fat's not a feeling, but it is the only feeling I had for a long time because so many things went under that umbrella. I feel not okay, goes under fat. I feel unlovable, goes under fat. I feel <laughs> inept, goes under fat. You know, So that umbrella of I feel fat was such a familiar feeling for me, feeling scared or worried or tired or angry. I didn't like those feelings. So I would smush everything under, I feel fat, because I knew how to feel that. I knew how to feel not good enough. Yeah, I think there's a lot of numbing that goes on with eating disorders. And even just the fact that how I did without the periods, without menstruating, I didn't feel like a woman. I had one emotion and it was positive. So I thought I'm happy all the time, <laughs> just completely not even knowing myself. And all of my real feelings were just being suppressed. Even who I am as a person was suppressed, which is why this, the discovery part was amazing to come out of that and actually start feeling. And as I say, you, you have to feel in order to heal. So I, I feel like an empath now. I, I feel everybody's emotions and mine. I feel the world's emotions and I'm, I'm very passionate about like feminist issues and stuff going on in the world, all the injustice. There was a case actually in London not too long ago where a lady was attacked by a police officer, Sarah Everard, and I made a poem about it. I was just so angry and it brought up a lot of people's stories around sexual assault and being unsafe as a woman. And I just really felt called to make this poem, just to, to put something out there. And it's also something I'm now going to include in my body confidence workshops that I'm going to do with girls. Because it's about food and body image, but it's also about speaking up for yourself, having body autonomy and saying no if you need to learning how to say no. Somebody told me, we're teaching our girls this and this. And I said, what we need to teach our girls more than anything is to say no on all levels, on all kinds of levels. No, I'm not going to do your laundry. <laughs> you know? No, you can't touch me there. No, I don't want to go to that school. No, I don't feel comfortable with that teacher to say no and to be okay with that. But I think even before saying no, it's learning what is a no for us. When you're so out of tune with your body, That's you sometimes true. don't know. Like I used to be a massive people pleaser. I would just order what someone else wanted to order because I just couldn't make a decision for myself because I couldn't take a moment to go inside and think, what do I feel like? 
Yeah, because it, a lot of times to go inside, that hurts. We don't want to go there. That's dark and painful, and I'd rather just get whatever you're getting because that seems like the easiest. And that's what I mean about no, is you don't even know if you want to do something or not because I was taught to go along to get along. Just do it. Don't question, just do it. And it's also part of survival, isn't it? That social nervous system fitting in with people and being liked and being part of a group being accepted, to be your individual self, makes you quite vulnerable. Yeah, it does. Here, healthy means thin. You know, when you eat healthy food, that means eating food that will make you thin. That's a real charged word. I'm eating healthy means I'm on a diet, even though you don't call it a diet because everybody knows diets don't work, but eating healthy does, which is a diet. So it's just crazy making. So you have a woman coming to you and says, I want to get healthier. How do you start to work with her to change that idea that she can be healthy at whatever size, shape, age, level of fitness that she's coming? She can start right now being there. So how would you take that person to where she really wants to be, which is free? So it is a process, actually. Obviously, I have my social media and I put out various messages that people can then see what I'm about. But if they haven't seen that and they just think I'm a traditional personal trainer, they generally don't come in asking for health. They will come in for something aesthetics. And I have a consultation form where I dive in and find out what is going on the mental side and I don't tell them it all immediately because some people aren't ready to hear and the same with all businesses I think there's that message of sell them what they want but give them what they need because people don't always really know what they need and it's just really time of being with them getting to know them diving down into the deeper stuff while training and the way that I train people now is through weightlifting which is more about what you can do with your body rather than what it looks like and I'm constantly feeding this message and I think Nowadays, I don't know if it's my energy or the law of attraction, but I will attract clients who will at some point come along with that message. And if they weren't ready, we would quite soon in the beginning stages realize we're not for each other. They'd know I'm not for them and I'd know they're not for me. And it's interesting because I, I actually have some clients I've had from the beginning. So they were with me when I was changing my body to be thinner or better or whatever. And they were too. And actually, they've stayed with me throughout my journey and they've come along with me and they're now doing weightlifting and they're now body confident and body positive, not dieting anymore. Beautiful. And it's amazing. And they've become my friends now as well. Yeah. You're building your own community around you, not only in your friends and the people that you're listening to, but also in your business beautiful. I mean, I have had a lady who I moved her straight into my body confidence course instead of fitness, because sometimes if you're having so much stress and all those issues are there immediately, maybe doing exercise isn't the thing that's going to help you right now. That's right. Yeah. I mean, nobody comes to me for a diet, you know, <laughs> absolutely not. And even if somehow they got through and they're on the phone and they'll say something, well, I just like to lose a little weight. That may never happen. You may gain weight. You may stay exactly the same. You may not be a good weight for you. And there, it's like, oh, but it, it's a process. It's a process. Why don't we see what's really running the show rather than changing the outside? Why don't we see what's really going on inside? Absolutely. And this is why I'm really excited about working with the younger girls 
So I haven't started that yet. We're actually starting in about 10 days from now because obviously the schools are then opening up and allowing people to come and visit. I'm looking forward to talking to girls, hopefully before they go down the lines of eating disorders, although obviously they are happening younger and younger these days. But I think as well, this is why it's so important still to educate the adults. So if the mums are messages are rubbing off on the children or they're impacting the way that they eat they're watching mom and and copying the same behaviors that's right it's a both and but sometimes you can't get to the moms you have to go to straight to the schools we've been going into schools for 15 years maybe 17 at this point now the last year and a half we've had to do zoom and put everything on zoom it's very weird but normally we go into the schools with peer educators that i've trained how to talk about this issue and it's um, amazing i know and they are i call them the petite goddesses because they are so strong and beautiful and knowledgeable so when they get this training at a young age and they can teach it to other young girls at a young age or boys obviously everybody changes because me at my age, I can stand there and talk, talk, talk about this issue. But when a person much closer to their own age shows a video or a PowerPoint and then talks about their own body hatred when they were 10 or 11 or 12, and then how did they get out of it and where are they now? The power in the room is just phenomenal and they get it. The kids get it. They know exactly what they're talking about. And we have several teachers every year, just please, are you doing this still? Come in. I've got a whole new group of kids in health class and we need you to come in. And so we've been doing it for this long and it's fabulous. So good for you. We have to do it for sure. I mean, it's not going to go away, is it? If you're still having the the cultural messages in society, then we need to keep that voice loud. Carol and I, when we started Beyond Hunger in 1988, we both said, we'll do this for a little while because eating disorders are going to go away. That's just not going to continue on because we're just, we're going to be a voice in the wilderness right now, but sooner or later, it won't be like that. But we never saw the internet coming. We never saw social media coming. It has gotten a million times worse. We never saw, where is it where they take a picture and then they completely just, you know, make that person so much better. We never saw any of that. I mean, if we had, we'd be billionaires, but we didn't see any of this coming. So every year I think, like you, it gets younger and younger. And to get to the moms, we have to go through the children. (laughs) You know, when we say, tell your mom that you're going to eat when you're hungry, you're going to stop when you're full, you're going to eat what your body wants. You're going to love the body that you have right now. You're going to take care of yourself emotionally. Start saying that to everybody that you meet, and eventually it will go into your heart. And they do. And then a couple of years later, I'll get a call from somebody in that class. Hey, I saw your program, and I'd like to be a peer educator. And it's it's so wonderful. It really is. Well, there was none of it. There was none when we started it here. So we started it in like in the 90s and they wanted us to come in and talk about how it's not good to throw up after every meal. We're like, oh, this is a much bigger issue than that. (laughs) And we're going to talk about that. And so now everybody's okay with it. But it was been a long time. That is also the issue with eating disorder recovery is that weight on the scales is considered with a disorder or without And actually it hasn't changed at all how you feel about yourself. And so there are a load of people, I think, outside of those lines of an eating disorder that have disordered eating. 
and all of the other issues that the body image stuff, which is what caused it in the first place. That's right. To go to my book is called It's Not About Food, but we could also say it's not about weight. It's not about those two things. It's about everything else. So let's talk about that. Because if we're going to sit here and talk about weight or food, I'm not going to talk about that. That's not what it is. It isn't that. So before we end, you have a little platform right now. Is there anything that you want to get out into the world that you're doing or any way that people can find you to support you in supporting all of us? Yes, so I have my body confidence workshops that I'm doing in the schools, but I also do them online. So every now and then I will host one on Eventbrite. I assume you have Eventbrite over there. (laughs) But if not, they are available through Instagram, YouTube. I'm on Facebook as well. My handle is at Waishi Coaching. So it's W-A-I-S-H-E-E Coaching. I have a new website, which I'm excited about. It's almost ready, which is waishicoaching.co.uk. Perfect. So I also have my 12-week body confidence course. So that is where I'll get a group of women together. We'll go through the, the course each week at the same time with Zoom calls so they could be anywhere in the world. And I will give them a video and journaling exercise to do each week. And then we do the coaching together as a group. That is so great. You're not able to do that with weights and stuff like that. Can they be there's, in their own actually, little... There's actually, no, there's no fitness involved in that at all. It's all mindset stuff. It's the deeper thing. So it, there's a few weeks about food and body image and the rest is about giving yourself permission about speaking up non-violent communication is quite deep wonderful i love it it's so great that you're doing that just before i forget so you are based in liverpool liverpool in the uk so exciting the beatles you probably know them right because they're from there right down the there's street there's a lot of um there's a lot of <laughs> statues and posters and things i think they've got a street name after them as well There's a Beatles tour, which I'm yet to go on. (laughs) Cool. Anyway, would you read this last part that today I will? So today I will practice realizing that it is not my size that limits my sexual experience, but rather it is my shame and fear. The same feelings that are so often at the core of my struggle with food and weight. I will experiment with looking at my body, the expression of my sexuality and my sexual desires as natural, pure, precious and sacred. Oh, Imagine that if we, all of us, looked at sexual desires as natural, pure, precious, and sacred. I don't feel like there would be as much sexual molestation or rape or anything if that was our bottom line, that we looked at it like that, all of us. I agree. I think these cards are amazing and each of them has such a good message. Mm, Thank you. So thank you so much for being here. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Take care of yourself. And you. Thank you for listening. You can find me on all the social medias at It's Not About Food. And if you would like to get the show a week early and ad-free, you can become a member at Patreon. Search It's Not About Food podcast. Thanks so much.